Welcome to In Gear, a podcast focused on one-to-one conversations with marketing and technology leaders doing innovative things and creating unique experiences. In Gear is produced by Message Gears, a customer marketing technology provider serving radically different software for the world's largest brands. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Today, we're thrilled to be joined by Scott Grove, who's the Vice President of Marketing Operations at Heap Analytics. Scott's a marketing technology and operations thought leader with over 20 years of experience building teams to support rapidly growing and disruptive business models. After years on the brand side, Scott's recently joined Heap Analytics to lead their marketing operations team. Scott, thanks so much for being here uh, and, and welcome to InGear. All right. Thank you. Well, appreciate it and super excited to be here. So tell us a little bit, um, you know, I always ask this up front, just give us a little bit about who you are. What's your background? How did you arrive at Heap? Where were you before? Uh, how did you get into what you're doing? Cool. All right. So I think I'm going to take you all the way back to my undergrad days, and I, I promise I'll fast forward through, but I <laughs> um, really didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, to be honest. Um, you know, classes were kind of a way for me to, to spend time before I got to, to crew practice in the afternoon. I got out of school and I had a couple of random jobs. I did some outdoor education, some other things. And I kind of had that moment um, working on one of those jobs where I was like, I, I think I can do better than this. Um, so I went back and uh, I was in Seattle at the time. So I went back and actually got an engineering degree, um, mechanical engineering. Um, and, you know, fast forward, you know, out in industry, actually literally doing mechanical engineering. I was at Kenworth designing um, uh, trucks. They did basically frame rails on down. I, I made it through a bunch of different disciplines within engineering and kind of at some point managed to get into Six Sigma which led to lean manufacturing. I was like literally on the shop floor doing Kaizen events um, for for Fluke, uh, Fluke Electronics. They're here in Everett in Seattle. And from there, that really turned into an opportunity to go across the entire company and help them basically fix things and make things more operationally smooth. Um, That kind of like led me over to Expedia, whereas I I had a role where I got to um, help the um, Expedia Corporate Travels, their B2B division, kind of um, work on all their ops processes. And specifically, I got embedded within the sales and, and account management team there. So I basically uh, built a sales ops team from the ground up. And that's really kind of where I, I, I kind of like found my, my space. Um, and it was just this enablement and it was the leveraging technology and building process to help folks who are out there on the front line who were then day-to-day helping, helping customers out. So you were like on the shop floor and then kind of get into the, the, the operations side, which is just sort of a fascinating, like, you know, like I think, you know, people, I hear engineering and I'm in software. So I think of, you know, I think of, of coding. Um, but, you know, you went from the mechanical engineering side to the, the operations side, which is, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite a transformation. So you are week three now, it sounds like at heap. Day two, um, week three, correct. Wow. Uh, so brand new there. What, um, what are you doing? I mean, what, what are you doing in your current role? What's your priorities day to day outside of, um, you know, still like learning where the bathroom is and stuff, I assume. Um, well, the, the bathroom part's easy because I work from home. You work so from that, home. 
that one I've got. Also, I know where the break room is. I've got that all figured out. Um, yeah. So the, the biggest thing is, so if I can, I'll step back as to why I'm even at Heap. Um, and re- really, I give a lot of credit to my to my uh, my new manager. So Lynn Trotto, she's the CMO. She saw the need to have just operational excellence, not only throughout marketing, uh, marketing, but like tying that to sales and just honestly the whole business. Um, and as you can imagine with a startup, you know, you grow super fast and you're, you're bringing in technologies and you're trying to get stuff done, but you don't typically have the time to kind of step back and look at things more you know, from a full on architecture. And, and he was kind of at that moment where they need to do that um, so that we can like take that next step function and growth. Um, so she brought me in to, to, to help with that. So for me, it's, it's a lot of things around how do we streamline our tech stack and make sure all the data is flowing correctly between the systems. A lot of it's been tied to the reporting and getting visibility into the systems to see where they're working or not working. Um, and then also we're in the midst of upgrading our tech stack. So like on the web side, um, we're, we're looking at where we can make things, bring, bring things kind of all the way forward and in, into the, you know, the most recent set of technologies. So I think it's kind of across the board, but it's just really, it all kind of boils back down to enablement. And like, are we ha- are we letting our marketing folks, you know, are we giving them enough time to actually go do marketing um, so they can really kind of drive us forward? And how many, how, how many employees does Heap have? Do you, oh, do you know the answer to that? Just day by day. Um, I, I want to say somewhere around 350 at the moment. And then there's definitely plans to grow this year. So I know we're, we're hiring like crazy. So please, please, uh, you know, folks, if you're interested, you know, ch- check out LinkedIn and see if there's something there that might interest you. So for you, I mean, it's a growing, it's a, it's a high growth tech company, right? I mean, so it's a, it's a little bit different than where you've been recently, you talked about Expedia, you had, you had time at GoDaddy and Zillow. Um, so it's a, I would imagine a little bit more of a, just an exciting green field of opportunity for you in, in this role. Is that what attracted you to it, especially? hundred percent. And if, if you're to look back at Expedia, GoDaddy, Zillow, they all kind of had the same feel to them, which is they were all trying to do something big kind of explosive growth within their their markets. Um, Expedia in particular, and when I was doing the, the sales ops thing there, you know, we were doing primarily domestic Fortune 1000 deals. Um, you know, four years later when I left, we were doing global Fortune 5 deals. So really huge scale and huge, huge growth there. Um, on the dot-com side, when I hopped across the fence, you know, the the it was primarily US only, the role that I had. And was it was you know, by the time I'd left, it was multi-brand and global. Um, so really just explosive growth there as well. And then similar patterns there at GoDaddy and Zillow. So I, I think just the space I thrive in is where companies are really genuinely trying to like 10x, 100x their scale. Um, and they need all the systems in place to basically enable that. So, and, and you know, I would define the, the brands that you've worked at um, as like these digitally native in nature, right? They're, they're, um, they, they might have some work to do, but like you're saying, like their, their charge is really growth, right? It's not, there's some brands that are, uh, more well-established, um, you know, like a retailer or something, a department store, they've got, uh, a lot of them have, uh, a digital transformation they need to go through, right? Because they, they, they're unwinding, uh, 
years and decades of old processes and trying to adapt to the new way of doing business. Um, where I think you know the, the brands you've worked at are are born in the in the digital age. So there's a little bit less of that. It's more about grow, 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 right? Um, so defining marketing ops for a second, kind of going there, like how do you define what I would what I would describe as a growing field, particularly in the in the these digitally native disruptive brands, but even in the brands that are trying to transform their business. What is, you know, the marketing operations or marketing technology function? You mentioned enablement and things like that. How do you define the practice? Um, and what, uh, you know, what is the, what's the primary charge? Okay, great question. Let, let me kind of back up a little bit and say that the, all the companies I've worked at, even though they were digital first, they still had a pretty massive transformation that they went through. And I saw that across all the companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that transformation was pivoting from, and all comes back down to the data. And marketing ops really at its heart, really, it's all tied to the data. Um, well, and then the content you're putting in front of the customer. The, the data was all centered around um, the transaction. And it, and it made it really, really, really hard to do customer-centric marketing. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the biggest transformation was basically making that pivot to create customer-centric data marts that enabled that. So that's a lead into kind of like what marketing operations does. It, it they really, they, the, the role sits in between the marketers and the engineering teams. And they're, they're primarily their, their charge is to use a MarTech platform and be the experts in that platform. And they're also there to kind of make sure that there is a single customer-centric view of the data, which then can kind of lead up to that. Um, and it's both on the inbound and the outbound side. So on the outbound side, you've got things like email and you're deciding when to contact folks. Um, that's heavily dependent on a big relational database and then the, you know, the ability to personalize and drive logic, et cetera. And on the inbound side, it's, it's all around creating a really awesome uh, web experience. Again, using data to personalize and, and doing things kind of in real time there. Um, so if I'd say marketing ops, I mean, we're, we're, we're definitely much closer to engineers than we are on the marketing side. So a lot of times I am hiring folks with engineering backgrounds because it is a super technical role. But the one of the nice things is that we do have those MarTech platforms that we can get in and we don't need to be writing code all day to, to basically enable folks. So in, in a typical organization, um, I would say brand side, especially like does the marketing ops team live on its own? Who does it ultimately report up into like on the C-suite? Is it the CIO or CTO? Is it the CMO? Is it somebody else? Is there like a chief digital officer? Who owns the function? I think I think it varies. Um, when I was doing sales ops, I rolled up through the VP of sales. Uh, when I was doing marketing ops, I it, then over at Expedia, I rolled up through the CMO to start. Um, and that was when the team was only a couple of folks. And then the team grew. And once we hit a critical mass, they actually put us over into the technology organization. Um, and that's part of what I was mentioning, where the team really was primarily engineering folks. Mm-hmm. So we had TPMs and we had database developers, we had application developers. Um, so really is a much better fit over in the tech org. Um, and then uh, when I was at GoDaddy, we were within, um, there was a, a separate um, product technology org. So that one was a little bit different. 
Um, Zillow, I rolled up ultimately through the CMO there as well. And then here at Heap, I'm, I'm rolling up through the CMO again. So I've kind of seen it in both. Um, mm. I think it, if I had a if I had to vote and if I had a preference, it would be to roll up through whatever the business side is, so sales or marketing. I think being embedded there is just your 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 priorities are directly aligned. You're you're deep inside the business to understand what they need. You can see firsthand, you know, what needs to be enabled. I mean, you're in all the meetings, so you can kind of see the pain up front. Um, being put in a tech org, you kind of you almost get a little too distanced from your your customers. So um, that, that I, makes I, a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can see that because you're you're especially if you're hiring people with technical backgrounds too, I think, you know, being, putting them in the same room or in the same org with the people that are like, help me fix this or help me, help me do this, or can we do this? And then it's, oh yeah, we could do that. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's interesting. I, um, what, aside from the background, I mean, what's the, the kind of mindset that you would have to be or have to have to be in a marketing operations role? Like what are good traits when you're hiring people and you're looking, looking for folks? So, and again, I'll admit my bias here because I have an engineering background, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I would take somebody with an engineering degree. Um, I mean, just every day. Um, now that doesn't mean we're, we're, it's only engineers, but at least what I learned when I was getting my engineering degrees was just, it's a, it's a problem solving. That is like at the core of everything that we're doing because we're always in a systems view of things because we're always trying to figure out how to connect things high level. How do we get things to flow from here to there? You know, how do we make the whole system work together? Um, and a lot of it comes down to problem solving because honestly, when you're getting either campaign requests or like I need to go build a capability or I need to go find this data set, um, Typically, it's not the same as the last time you got asked to go do that. So you're really having to sit down and solve an engineering problem. At, um, a couple of things I would look at would be discipline. Um, and that really, I'll translate that into it, it's, you know, short-term pain so that you have that long-term efficiency. Uh, mm -hmm. It's being willing to, to sit down and buckle down and, and do it in a way that is scalable. Um, calmness is another big one. Ops is typically in the middle of the storm or the center of the storm. And there's a lot, you know, stuff just breaks. It's like, it's a big, if you're in a company, data field, or I'm sorry, data feeds go down. I mean, websites can go down. Like you're, you're typically doing a lot of firefighting as part of that role. You want to minimize it, but like someone who can be calm under pressure is super, super important. Um, creative and innovative. I think that goes back to the problem solving. It's not just like solving a problem linearly. It's like we need to come up with some like really crazy out of the box ways to, to solve things. And, you know, one example I've got is like, you know, we went through an RFP previous company and we took basically four tech stacks down to a, I'm sorry, four, four tech vendors, right? And we got it consolidated into a single vendor. But that was something that, you know, was, I felt was pretty innovative because it was, it, it really was a non-traditional way of looking at how, how to manage the marketing campaigns. And then coupled with that, I'll just kind of say that last one, which is like, you know, fearless. Like you got to be okay breaking stuff. You got to be okay pushing the boundaries. And I, honestly, if you're not, I don't, I don't think you're pushing hard enough. I want to, I want to dive in a little bit there on the fearless one, because um, you, your time at Expedia um, 
Expedia is, is still a customer of Message Gears. Um, but uh, you were at Expedia. You were um, looking for a new, a new solution for customer messaging, right? Email, cross-channel marketing. And um, came upon Message Gears. At the time, this would be in 2015. Um, Message Gears was in its very early stages and um, no real name marquee clients at all, right? And, and a lot of, a lot of uh, potential, <laughs> a great idea from the beginning, but, um, you know, not a lot of polish on that. And so on paper, um, we message gears and I was, you know, I was in marketing at the time. So it was, it was just, it was like, oh man, we're talking to Expedia. That's great. And, but, but um, on paper, we had no business talking to you about that business, right? Like about a brand as big as Expedia as well established as Expedia um, coming off of a, you know, looking for a, a new way to do a critical function within their organization. And you were, you were kind of, you were the lead in that project um, and ended up, we ended up with message gears. So talk about fearless because I, I see that and I'm not involved directly in a lot of our, our, our uh, sales operation or our sales motions once they get to a, a certain point. Right. But it's like, I think there's a lot of that where it's like, I like what I'm hearing and seeing, but there's a little, there's a lot of risk of like, well, there's names I've heard of and my bosses have heard of. And then there's other names and, and vendors that I'm going to take a little bit of a chance on. Right. So how, how did you get there? Like, how do you get to that type of decision where it really feels like you're kind of betting your job on it in some ways? Right. Um, and, and maybe I'm overstating it, but it doesn't feel like that from the outside. So talk to me about that a little bit, because I've always been curious to ask you. Yeah. So a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> I think if we were to go back to like the, the mindset question, and I, I think I mentioned a couple different things there, but um, the first one I'll go back to is the problem solving. It's like we, we had a problem, like Expedia was at a point where like our scale was significant. Um, you know, billions upon billions upon billions of emails. We were doing literally hundreds and hundreds of automated and ad hoc campaigns. I mean, we had hundreds of automated campaigns in flight and then we were doing, you know, hundreds of ad hoc campaigns per week. Like we were just at a place where we had, we, we needed technology to help make things better. So the way we went into that was actually very much, um, we threw things like, Pricing and you know brand recognition and all that just kind of went out the window for us. It was all around how do we solve this problem, and we we genuinely did not care where the solution came from. Um, so that's how you guys got got in play. Um, and then from there, it was it was just interesting because then we started looking at things. Probably the three biggest things, um, and this is true for for every RFP I've ever done is you know is there a good match with that company long-term? Are, are you gonna are you gonna grow together and grow with each other so that, because like when you're making big MarTech decisions, you don't want it to be every year you're going back out to do it. You wanna know uh, right. <laughs> three, five, maybe even seven years, you're gonna still be in alignment with that person or that company. Um, 
So, I mean, it may be an overused analogy, but it really is like a marriage. Like you, you want to be able to know that they're going to be there for you and, and it'll work together. So one is that, you know, the, the potential we saw in the company, we saw just the trajectory message gears was on. Um, and, and I would say, you know, fill in the blank, any kind of like startup, small, you know, all the way up to unicorn type companies like folks that are like disruptive in the space and they've got an idea like those companies are the super fun at least for me to go get attached to because they're kind of kind of drag you into the future um and i consider heap is 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 one of those companies that's one of the reasons i'm here i'm just like super excited to kind of be on the other side of the fence in the type of company that i as a person on the brand side would hire um, versus some of the bigger, more kind of entrenched 800-pound gorillas out there. So with Message Gears, we, we we absolutely saw that you guys were disruptive, which leads me kind of to the other two points that we look for. Um, one is the technology, like the tech the tech that Message Gears had was 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 head and shoulders above and beyond anything that we had saw in the market. Um, they just hadn't had a chance to to show that off with you know bigger customers yet, but it, we knew that was coming. Um, and two is the people. Um, you know, that, you know, some of the folks that we had talked to initially, you know, Dan Roy was there as the CEO and, and one of the founders, Taylor Jones, you know, those guys just, they made all the difference for us as well. Cause we knew that if we made the decision, they were going to be there to, to be with us as we grew with them. Um, so kind of those three things really made it for us a no brainer to, to pick you guys. Now, just a, a little anecdote and, and I've already told this to the folks there at Message Gears too, which is like, it was interesting because we had it down to, you know, we went from 20 to 12 to six vendors. And then we did some stack rankings and we stacked rank basically after the sales process ended and, and Message Gears was at the bottom of the list. And then we did, mm. the next part was like, we, we asked everyone to help stand up um, a sandbox so we could get our hands on the tool and we could go basically see it live. Um, and at the end of that, Message Gears was clearly at the top and had separated themselves from everybody else. So um, it was just once we got in there, it was it was it was really really obvious what what you guys had. Um, and just a, just a small side fact there as well. It took us less than an hour to do the install as well as get our first campaign out the door with no training whatsoever. So that was a huge selling point for us just in terms of the simplicity of what we could do. So we were kind of sold at that point, um, go forward. It's it's so cool to hear all of that. I at the beginning you kind of talked about throwing um you know, throwing costs and name recognition out the window. I assume you had to get buy-in all the way from the top on that, right? Like or 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 not. I mean, how do you you had to, you, did you, you go into it and say, look, we're going to find the best solution, whether you've heard of them or not. Um, I mean, is that, did you get buy-in from the, the, the CMO or whoever the, the team reported to at that time? Yeah. So we're up through the tech org at that time. So that was the tech had, org. Okay. it was the CMO, the CTO, and I actually got all the way up to the CEO. Um, oh, no, sorry, not CEO, president there, there at Expedia. Um, we, we actually didn't, Telegraph what we were trying to do right in the front. Uh, we we basically just went off. We we ran the process and we we had it was pretty rigorous. So that's I'll go back to the discipline comment I had made. 
Um, it was close to an 18-month process end-to-end, but we we had a lot, and data-centric was another one I threw in there. Um, mm-hmm. We had tons and tons of data to back up kind of how we got to our final answer. So it was we, we had a really good story to tell, and we had a really solid methodology to show, and then we had a lot of data to back up our decision, including um, the key to this was the hands-on. So if, if I were to, you know, any advice for you guys would be like, just make sure you're getting the product in the hands of folks so they can try it. Cause that really kind of helped tip us over the edge there at the end. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think it's just, it's always, um, you know, the decision to go with, uh, you know, with a unproven or, you know, a vendor with a lot of potential is just such a, that the fearlessness you have to have and the, um, you know, just being sure of yourself and, and your skills and, and what you're, what you're doing. I think all of that comes into play. It's fascinating to me. Um, and I don't know if everybody has a stomach for it either. Um, but I, I think it's a great story. Um, so what do you, how do you, you mentioned the marketing ops function sitting in between, marketing and, and tech. Um, yeah. How do you see marketing and data teams continuing to work more closely together? Um, you know, as, as the world continues to get more digitally led. It's data is, and I'll pick your favorite analogy, either the lifeblood or the oil in the engine or whatever, but with, with, without that, like it's, I mean, it just, it goes all the way through from, what opportunities do I, do I go after as a marketer? You, you need data to understand that. It's the, how do I build a campaign that is going to be um, impactful, that my customer is going to care about? You know, that that's all tied back to data. Um, how do I know what I did actually had an impact? That's the analytics and reporting comes back to the data. Okay, now I've got a hypothesis and I want to test it. Comes back to the data again. Um you know, a big one that I've seen also on, on the marketing side um, is like, well, pr- justify you, your budget marketing. Like, well, I'm giving you a bunch of money to go out and spend, whether it be through brand advertising or paid channels or, or hiring a marketing ops team. Show me that that money was, was well spent there versus like hiring more engineers to build my product. All comes back to the data. So I, I think David is just like, Data, 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 data. Like you got to get that right. So having the the um, and I do think you need dedicated engineering resources, ideally embedded up through the marketing org, but at a very minimum dedicated. Because building out customer data marts that are both for that what if the campaign generation and the analytics on the back end. It's actually a, it is a unique skill like you want folks who are really steeped in that and have had to deal with a lot of the problems there um identity is a big one like you've got a ton of data that's floating around out there because our customers are interacting with us across a whole bunch of digital touch points and potentially human touch points as well and just getting all that collated down to a single identity so that you know what someone's doing that is super super hard that's a really big Mm -hmm. challenge Um, just the collection of the data itself is challenging. Um, so I would say kind of going back to, yeah, so dedicated teams who actually understand the space, um, huge. And I think companies that can get that figured out 
companies who can enable that, companies who can make it super easy for marketers to get access to that data. Um, you know, that that's kind of the the way the future, because we we just don't have like the, the world's moving so fast, you don't have time to be um, you know, spending months building out, you know, the big complex systems. I, you know, I often talk about how as consumers, we expect brands, the big brands that we know, the household names to, to get, to get it really perfect every time, right? Like, you know, I expect Starbucks to treat me like I'm the only customer they have and, you know, best buy to treat. And it's, it's hardest for them to do that because of all the data you're describing, right? So the, the ops function is critical in, in enabling that, um, you know, not just the collection, like you mentioned, but being able to make sense of it and to act on it in a customer centric way. Um, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just, as consumers, we're just like, yeah, yeah, they, you get one little thing wrong as a, as a big brand and you're, you're like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. Um, but it's 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 so complicated behind the scenes. Uh, it's a it's a wonder that any of it feels one to one. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, and, and just to pile onto that, right? It, as companies get bigger, the problem gets worse exponentially. Because um, what happens is you start to fragment and you create different product lines or you've got different groups doing different things. And also you've got little small companies within companies and they kind of have their own ways of doing things. And and really the customer, to your point, doesn't care because they expect it to be unified across the brand. And they don't understand that as companies get bigger, right, it really does segregate out. Um, and I think that creates opportunities for companies like a message gears or, or heap analytics to come in because they're the ones who are, they're, they're doing that aggregation for the customers and they're doing it in a simple way that then makes it really, really easy to get to insights so that you can drive that customer experience go forward. And they're doing it with, you know, with, with very light engineering lift and, and needs there. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting because this complexity that we've introduced as companies get bigger has created a niche where technology companies can come in and help solve that for folks. So what's um, what's next for you as you kind of settle in at Heap? Um, you know, what are you working on, thinking about, um, building towards? Yeah, so the the I'd say the biggest. Well, there's a couple things, but definitely it's um, simplicity. I think if I were to like just sum it up, simplicity. Let me let me throw a couple words at you. Uh, visibility, um, and then I, I'll I'll go with just you know um, scalability. And let me drill into the three of those and kind of explain them. So the the simplicity is, as you can imagine, systems over time they start off pretty simple. You start to use them, and then you you add more customization. And I need this extra field, or I need that extra data flow. Um, and that happens everywhere. It just is the nature of the beast. Um, I think where we're at right now is that we, we, we're, we're at a point where the complexity is starting to add more friction to the system than we would like. So really, it's about taking what we've learned and simplifying things so that we can go crazy fast. So that's kind of one, simplicity. The visibility, I think, is all around the reporting and the data and being able to uncover those friction points. So super hyper-focused on creating the visibility so we know where the problems are and we can quickly solve them. 
And then that scalability thing is like making sure we've got the systems in place today that are going to be ready for us to grow 10x and 100x in the next you know one to two years. Because mm-hmm. um, that's something you don't want to be doing after the fact, um, after your systems have crumbled. You, you would definitely want to be getting ahead of that. Yep. Makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. Um, well, Scott, this was this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you being on and um, all the best here as you you settle into heap and we'll be we're looking we'll be looking to to see uh, how uh, how things progress here and continuing to, to have heap grow. So this has uh, been a conversation with Scott Grove, Vice President of Marketing Operations at Heap Analytics. Scott, thanks again for being on. You bet. Well, thank you for the invite. It was, it was very fun. Appreciate it. Thanks. This has been In Gear, brought to you by Message Gears. Visit us at messagegears.com and be sure to subscribe so that you get new episodes as soon as they drop. We'll see you next time.